This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome. And thank you for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. My name is Zach Brittle. I'm here with Laura Heck. You know, we get a lot of interviews, which is fun. But some of my favorite episodes are when we just kind of chat through, especially what's going on in our practices. And right now, I'm in an open debate with myself and my clients, my wife, and it turns out Laura and I, about what is the work. When we invite couples to work on their marriage, um, it, it, they ask sometimes a very legitimate question. What actually is the work? And I think that's worth exploring. I mean, I also have a bias for play, which is a whole other podcast probably, maybe even the book I'm going to write uh, here before too long. But today we're talking about uh, what it takes to actually move the needle inside the relationship. This is a very cool conversation. Stick around. What's happening, Laura? How are you doing? There's a lot going on in the Heck household. There's a lot going on in the Heck household. We are currently trying to move out of our house so that we can I thought you already moved out of your house. That seemed like the big climax of last or one of the recent episodes. And you were like, but now you're still not yet moving out. Yeah. Turns out when you're on other people's timelines, like builders. (laughs) What do they say about remodels and stuff? Like it's going to take 10% longer and 10% more than... Oh, if 10% was really... Here's the funny yeah, part. I was, trying so, to, I was trying not to ruin your yeah. life. Like twice as long and uh-huh. twice as expensive. Yeah. No, we know it's going to be expensive. So we worked with our our designer and he drafted up just like the most amazing everything, right? Like uh-huh. this is ideally what I want. I want this drawer like this. I want this like this. He uh-huh. drafted everything up and then we went to the builders and the builders go, this is how much it's going to cost. And immediately yeah. I was like, whoop, 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 like cut, 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 cut. Sorry, I don't need that drawer. Sorry, designer. I don't need that that entire back wing uh, remodeled. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're still... And even though we cut out, I would say probably about mm, 30% of our project because I uh-huh. just couldn't afford it. Um, they had said, yeah, we think it's probably going to take six Could months. Could Ryan afford it? Plan nine. No, we. we. Like, like, no, but this is the question I'm asking. Yeah. Did Laura say, I can't afford this? And Ryan was like, we can afford it. Or did you guys decide that the Hex couldn't afford it? Oh, the Hex. We're yeah. we're very aligned when it comes to Because I just know finances. that you, you though, are pretty conservative when it comes to like what you're willing to spend money on. And I don't, that's maybe true. he's not. Yeah, that's true. 
I we come from different places. So there's always like a scarcity place of we can't spend that much amount of money. Ryan is like, well, I know. I mean, we both know how much money is in the bank as far as savings uh-huh. goes and investments. Um, it's not like I'm not aware. It's just that the perception that I always have is that it's never going to be enough. That we always have uh-huh. to, like, I always have to just spend the least amount of money. I'm, it comes from my mom. I'm just trying to get the woman to turn on her air conditioning in the middle of summer when it's 95 degrees out uh-huh. because she's she's just won't spend any money. P.S. She's not even paying for the bill. I am. So uh-huh. she could turn on the air conditioning. But the other thing that when people say that to you, I always go enough for what? Right. Like fill in the blank. Like it's we don't have enough for what fill in the blank. Yeah. You know that I think that is sometimes people don't have that answer because what they're really operating out of is fear. Right. Or precedent or mm-hmm. whatever, but they haven't actually done the 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 work of just sort of saying, what is my act? What is it? What am I? What is enough? What counts as enough? Yeah. You know. So. Well, I had a, it. This is really interesting. Just talking about the house. I had a really interesting experience yesterday. Um, I went to an energy healer worker. Okay. Um, and I can tell you that I understood three. The guy we talked to. What's that? The guy we talked to. Did you go to him? Nope. Okay. No, didn't go to him. No, I went to this gal, Donna. She, interestingly, she lives in the home that Judy Heck lived in. She bought Judy's Ooh. old house. So, okay. um, and she's just this incredible, we did the most amazing. Did I ever tell you about what we did for Gary when he passed away? No. Um, we did this whole healing session where, uh, you know, whether you believe in it or not, the idea was to kind of put hands on Gary and help him to, release things that were attaching him to this planet, to this earth. Mm -hmm. And so walking through just sort of like some experiences in his life that he might be kind of holding on to like unfinished business, if you will. So we did this with Donna. It was incredibly powerful. Um, And everything that's going on with Holden, what she'd like to do is she'd like to work with Holden. But in order to do that, she wants to clear some of our chakras, if you will. So Ryan went to see her. He, He came home and he was like, I feel so light. Um, I feel so energized, all this stuff. He's been having a lot of anxiety. I went to her yesterday and, uh, it's, and then she said, what's going on? And I said, well, my eye's twitching. Okay. Do you ever get a twitchy eye, by the way? It's not my eye, but I do get twitches for sure. You get twitches. What, what else yeah. twitches? Usually, honestly, it's my forearm, which is, it's like consistent enough that it's a thing. My forearm will twitch. And do you know what brings it on? No, I have no oh. idea. I'm the twitching eye started. Ryan actually, you know, br- he, what do you call that? He drew a line between uh, the dots. What am I trying to say? What's the phrase? Connected the dots. Connected the dots. <laughs> um, so he connected the dots and he said, the last time your eye was twitching, you're really stressed out. You think maybe you're experiencing some stress right now? I was like, yeah, I'd probably. A little bit. Um, a little bit. So we talked about the house move and she took me through this whole process of envisioning the house. And I was filled with such an overwhelming sense of just love and warmth and connection with my family that I just realized when it comes to like values, the thing that I value, my home, I value it so much. Like when they say Uh the home is where the heart is, holy moly, just having everybody, it's just a warm, cozy place. So wrapping this back up to how much is enough? What do you spend on a remodel? I will spend any amount of money on a remodel because this is the this is my home and it holds like a great amount of value for me. But if you were to ask me to spend money on clothing or 
material possessions outside of the home, it just, there's no value. That's where. So isn't that the exact opposite of what you just said? What do you mean? You said, I'm not spending this amount of money on a remodel. Yeah. But then you just said, I'll spend any amount of money on a remodel. Mm, Well, I do have limits, but I guess I did mix my words there, didn't I? (laughs) Yeah. So the value is that it's hard for me to spend any money, any money at all. Um, I mean, I I remember telling Ryan that I really wanted to just buy like an old Subaru for $5,000 because a car doesn't hold the same amount of value as a home. But yeah. if you could see what we're That's doing. That's how I felt about my car before you shamed me into buying a new one. I did shame you. <laughs> I'm so proud of you for getting the big boy car. Thanks. So you did You did get it and it looks great. And you got an incredible yeah. deal. Kind of had me yeah, a little like, uh, you're going to yeah. buy my next vehicle I shopped for forever. Me. I shopped, I shopped, for, I, I was very patient and deliberate as I shopped for what I, exactly what I wanted. I'm impressed. And I got my second choice. I mean, mm. my second choice out of about a hundred choices that I like perused yeah oh all online like I never like I would I spent very little time on a lot like by the time I got to the lot I was like I'm buying this car right or I'm buying this other car and this other lot but the other car and the other lot got sold before I got there yeah Mm. um let's talk about some stuff that's going on with couples and in private practice yeah 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 um what were you saying oh talking about just like the opposite of I talked to a guy the other day and he was telling me that he was he wanted to make it work for the kids. Have you heard this? Let's I want to make it work for the kids. I wouldn't let it do the work for the kids. What work? That married. was his motivation for going the work to therapy. stay married. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna stay married. So and he wasn't willing to do the work. I mean, I don't think he was anyway, because they I didn't see them for like six weeks and he they got on the other day and he said the same thing. I'm willing to make it work for the kids. And I was like, cool. So it's been six weeks. What have you done? For the kids. What have you like? What what work what work have you done? Yeah, and he he couldn't name anything, and I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't understand what you mean when you say I'm willing to do, work on it, but then you don't do any work on it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's a really tough bind to figure out how to just like hold a mirror up. That's what I did. I just said you just said the exact opposite thing mm-hmm. that you wanted to work on it, and then you also said I didn't do any work because he said this, he told me what he did, and I was like, mm, I don't think that counts mm-hmm. as a work. Yeah. So I actually had a similar conversation. Do you ever see this where like people need something more than they need an action? They need something that is tangible that can say, uh-huh. I need to see that you're working on the relationship. Uh-huh. And I will say often it's gendered where the female comes in and she says, well, first I usually ask like, so whose decision was it to come to therapy? And Mm. usually they say it was a mutual decision, but every once in a while I'll hear it was hers. And I'll say, well, that's interesting. Who did the research on the therapy? He did. Why did he do the research? Because I needed to see that he was committed and invested. Uh, So it's uh like I have a lot of females that are coming in in particular that say, I've been holding this relationship together with glue and tape um, just and I'm sick of it. And I need you to show that you're committed, that you're doing something. And so he does the research on the therapist. And then in therapy, he has to read the book if I recommend something. And this is always a little bit of a trap, unfortunately. And I say, this would be a really great book for the two of you to read. And she just sort of folds her arms and she's like, I'm not, I'm not picking up a book. I'm not going to read a page until I see that he has devoured it and he has taken notes and he's talked about it. 
there's some sense of I'm waiting around for you to show some interest and commitment. I need to, you to do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever see that? I mean, is it just in my practice? Yeah, I don't know. I would. I don't know if I would describe it the way that you are describing it because um, you know people are just different. But I do get it. I mean, I think I think in couples therapy, the work is hard to define. It just it just really is. Like if you're trying to lose weight or you know go f- run faster or remodel your house or you know whatever, the work is pretty clear like right. oh you change your diet or you lift more weights or you you pay a builder and so the work you can like watch it happen couples therapy is a little bit different because you know every relationship has a little bit of a different uh sort of notion of what works and what doesn't i i i've been started i started toying with this new intervention that i'm happy to tell you about because remember i said rebecca and i took a workshop this weekend the two of us did mm-hmm. as a couple and it was it was great. It was fantastic. We learned a lot. And um, did Terry put it on? It was in relational life therapy, but it wasn't Terry teaching Got it. it. Okay. Like, um, so it wasn't Terry real. It's Terry real's curriculum. This is like you and me teaching the seven principles. Right. Okay. Got it. Um, and I stayed anonymous. I didn't tell anybody I was a therapist. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't disclose any of that in advance. I just, so just it participated wasn't like a couple. For therapists. It wasn't like. No, it's for couples. It's for couples. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a boot camp for couples. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> interestingly though, there were about, about half the participants were individuals. So I guess it's individuals or couples. Hmm. It was definitely a relationship boot camp right. thing. Yeah. And Rebecca and I took it together for the purpose of our, of enhancing our relationship. And it was valuable to us. One of the things we did, um, was we, we had an, the homework actually on the first night was to write a letter to our adaptive child. So the, yep. the kind of the, the young version of ourselves that mm-hmm. helped us cope with things. And to say, hey, young Zach, thank you so much for all you did to protect me. Yeah. And here's what you did. And here's what it cost. Here's what it cost me. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's what it cost old Zach that you continue to hang around. Right. But I got it now. Here's here's what I'm gonna here's what I'm gonna do. Cool. And it was valuable. We both we both did it. We both read it, you know, to each other the next morning. And but but I, but this week I've been messing around with that assignment for couples because I have a couple, a handful of couples right now who are a massive transition, major transition. They're thinking about separation or they're thinking about, you know, how to do the next thing or they're thinking, but you know, they're just in, I mean, most couples in my practice are in some kind of transition. So I started toying with this exercise, which is to say, hey, why don't you write a letter to your young marriage and say, hey, young marriage, thank you for getting us this far. Thank Mm -hmm. you for helping us make these Mm -hmm. kids. Thank you for helping us buy this house. Thank you for helping us make our friends. Thank you for helping us, you know, establish some patterns. Really appreciate that you protected us from your parents, you know. But now, young marriage, it's not working anymore. Like, that work isn't working anymore. Like, yeah. this is because this is what it costs. Oh, we live parallel lives. Oh, we're roommates. Mm-hmm. Oh, we no longer have sex. Oh, we're da da da. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're thinking about separating, you know. And and then to go, what what's the next What's the third part of the letter, which is, we got this now. We're going to do this other piece of work, but not the way we used to do it. Okay. And so th- this is where like that work becomes really like challenging to figure out like, what is it? But I think that there is something meaningful and reasonable about sort of naming and grieving and maybe even celebrating the old work. Yeah. The first work. Yeah. And, and just acknowledging that it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Like that work doesn't work anymore, you know? Yeah. Boy, it would be really interesting. 
I mean, I can understand the adaptive child. I can understand like the purpose, the reason, how that that little thing saved you at some points, right? Um, can you describe, by the way, for listeners who may not be aware of like the adaptive child, can you just give an example of how, what that might look like and how yeah, it so would the, be non-functioning currently? Totally. Like the, the, obviously this thing has so many tentacles, but at the very simple level, when we are are, are young and born, we, we, we are wounded. We're traumatized. Mm-hmm. And it's not even always capital T trauma. It's like, I'm hungry. I'm anxious. I'm lonely. I'm, you know, maybe I have some kind of history of abuse or something, but in the process of learning how to deal with that stuff, we adapt. Yeah. We adapt right around middle school, right around adolescence. Can I give an example? You know, what, it just came to me of a current, yeah, totally, current totally. client. Uh, yeah. Her adaptive child, and we were just talking about this, which is really interesting. Um, and and we were going to give a shout out. So I'm going to have to tie this into a shout out today during the session um, or this episode. Her adaptive child is that she could never rely on her parents, uh, on her mom in particular, to do things for her. And so she just became very, very independent. Mm-hmm. And that that is something that served her. Like she didn't yeah. have to rely and she just learned, I'm not going to be disappointed in you or ask for anything. I'm just going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And now that she's in relationship with her husband, her husband is saying, I I spend too much time guessing wrong and incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And we spend too much time in conflict because I can't read your mind. I need you to ask me for uh-huh. what you want and what you need. And so totally. there's that conflict between here's your adaptive child showing up in this relationship and it's no longer serving the relationship. And that that whole conversation happened last week and it was really totally. a great one. Really great example. Yeah. So we we adapt. Sometimes we adapt by becoming independent. Sometimes we adapt by over-functioning. Sometimes we adapt by being, you know, sometimes we adapt by by going to substance uses. Sometimes mm. we adapt by leaning into intimacy with other people. Like we become sexually active early on, like whatever it is. Like we, we just choose strategies that protect us from feeling pain. Um, but they are adolescent strategies. They're adaptive strategies. Yeah. They're not healing strategies. And so the work of kind of becoming an adult is is to learn more functional or what wisdom-based strategies mm. about how to actually be in the real world because you can't just be independent all the time. Right. The world function, the world turns because people are, are interdependent. interdependent upon, mm-hmm. you know. And you can't just be sexually promiscuous all the time, especially when you enter into a relationship that's based on commitment and fidelity. And uh-huh. you, know, you can't just be an overfunctioner because that doesn't leave room for the other blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah. Right. And so part of it is just really kind of coming to terms with here's, he, there's nothing wrong with what I learned how to do. Right. Kept it you just alive. doesn't Got you work anymore. This, yeah. And so I'm dealing with this one couple in particular, and this happens a lot. I don't know if you see it, but like they were kind of high school or college sweethearts. They raised each other. Uh-huh. They, they did a lot. They built their careers. They built their family. They, they did a ton. And then all of a sudden he was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And I was like, okay, Uh or maybe we don't do this anymore. We say, Hey, thank you so much for this thing that we did. Right. We built a family. Now we're going to do this other thing. And this other thing just means we're going to kind of just, you know, again, grieve that we're not children anymore mm-hmm. and become actual adults, but inside the context of the relationship. I think when people can't do that, they're forced to think about separation or divorce mm-hmm. or affairs or whatever it is that is going to, you know, just kind of ruin the 
the relationship. And the other thing I, I kind of have to keep in mind is that I, I have a lot, a lot, a lot of respect for my clients, even if I don't like them sometimes. Mm-hmm. I definitely, they, all of my clients have one thing in common and it's that they're asking for help. Everyone who's listening to this podcast is asking for help. (laughs) And so I think that alone is the beginning of kind of changing the conversation for yourself. And so some couples don't ask, they never ask for help. They never ask for help. And so they just start kind of making it up as they go. And maybe that works for them. Maybe it doesn't. Yeah. I know plenty of couples that are miserable and don't know they're miserable because they're just like, this is what it is. Yeah. So... Here's what I really love about what you're talking about, which is this couple coming to you and saying, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. And I've heard you say this with you and Rebecca. You had that moment in time where you said, I don't want to do it like this anymore. She said said that. She said, I don't want to do this like this anymore. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. The the letter writing for me is such a beautiful like you said, way to grieve, to honor, and to memorialize this relationship, but it's a beginning and an end. You're you're bookending this relationship and you're having some finite, some ending to it so that you can begin this next relationship, doing it with new rules, new expectations. And I really appreciate that piece. That's that's something that I like about other therapists. I don't think I necessarily do it a lot, but you know, you'll see like drama therapists, art therapists, they're really good. At having these uh, sort of like rituals, if you will, yeah. kind of woo woo. I did one time yeah. ask for a couple um, to create a, like a voodoo doll, <laughs> not really a voodoo doll, but a physical representation of an affair. And they took the affair and it was supposed to represent like the affair partner um, yeah. and that moment and they burned it in the backyard. And this, that that's a little, you know, kind and of like later that afternoon, that lady's eyes started twitching and she was like, what's, what's going on? I don't understand. My fingers feel all hot all of a sudden. <laughs> um, My hair's on fire. You yeah. smell that? Yeah. I um no, I have another couple right now. They're they're actively thinking about separation. They're actively thinking about it. And we were started started thinking about this exercise. But I think what what they are doing with integrity is they're going, hey, I think what we just what 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 he in particular needs is a moment, and a moment is maybe a month. Some of that is going to be built in organically because they're both traveling and they're, mm-hmm. but they're very friendly about it. Mm-hmm. But to go, I need to like reset the system. I need to reset the system and figure out what I need or what I want and kind of I'm meet with my own therapist and da, da, da. But I think that the point of that is that I think there, I think sometimes a separation can be a great piece of work if you have a plan. Right. If there's a plan, if there's a, if there's a trajectory or an agenda or a search But if you're trying to separate because I need a break or I need some time or I want to do this nebulous thing called work that I'm not actually going to do, like this first guy, like then I I think it's a recipe for disaster. But this is where like, what is the work? The work is, I don't know, it's very intriguing to me to kind of map it out. And I think one thing that therapy does for people is it helps you become accountable to like a custom made project, (laughs) you know, like- You're not going to, I don't think there's a, like, I don't think, I think you can write like a book and go, here's the work. Yeah. Um, yeah. As much as they go, Hey, what's the work for you guys? What's mm-hmm. the work for you guys in this moment at this phase? And I do think it takes a little bit of grieving the loss of what was, um, with jet, with a gentle kindness. And then also kind of going, okay, well, what is the next thing? It's, uh, so this idea of maybe just ha- having relationship 2.0, a hard reset, 
Um, 3.0, 4.0, 5.0, yeah. It reminds me a lot of the work that we would do when it comes to affairs. And one of the piece of, you know, you have to have several components that work really well. One is that each partner takes responsibility for their actions within the course Mm -hmm. of the relationship, regardless of whether you were the one who uh, was the harmed partner or the involved partner. And it takes both of you. And often I see one person saying, I was not the one who stepped outside of the relationship. I had nothing to do with this. Yeah. And, it, and that is a really tough hurdle to overcome of once you can recognize that your partner is saying, yes, I betrayed you. Yes, I'm taking responsibility. Yes, I hurt you. And our relationship was also not in a space that was conducive for trust, commitment, friendship, all of those things. Well, the other side of that coin, of course, is... Yeah, I I did it. I stepped outside the relationship, but I but I had a good reason to, and I felt like I was justified, and I was able to do that because you betrayed me by not, you know. And I think in either case, if you don't have somebody who is willing to, if you don't have two people who are willing to acknowledge that we messed this up, yes, then I don't know how I don't really know how you I don't really know how you do that work. Yeah. Well, we have like this. weighted it's like weighted right betrayal betrayal is so big and heavy and you betrayed me you know one time while you were on a business trip and yet I ignored you for 15 years Uh you know so it's like for whatever reason we think that betrayal of the sexual nature or with another person is weighted more heavily than the fact that you ignored your partner's bids for connection for 15 years or uh-huh. you weren't a, a parent and they were left home, you know, parenting alone and it wasn't equal. And even though they had expressed that all of their desires and needs. Um, so why I'm saying this is that I think that the process of moving through and processing an affair of taking responsibility is similar to also taking responsibility and putting to bed relationship 1.0. Here's what we each did that contributed, or this was how our adaptive children showed up in this relationship. How would you describe that? If you are having your, your, in this intervention that you're using with your couples, are you talking about adaptive children? Is it called the adaptive relationship? I mean, what's the language that you're using? I mean, it's brand new for me and I would be open to like workshopping a little bit if, if you're listening and you're like, oh, I think I'll try that out. Let's figure that out. Yeah. But I think, you know, for me, it's if, if we're gonna, if we're going to entertain or enter affairs into the conversation, I, I, I'm always going to gravitate back to betrayal. Just, I'm just always going to raise the umbrella back up there. And I think it's, I think it's worth investigating. How did the, the young, how did the young relationship betray us? Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, like what did, what did, what did it do? What did we do that because we were dumb or because we were not paying attention or because we were hopped up on adrenaline or because, You know, like would it, and, and that betrayal doesn't have to be a stigmatized, right? It can just be, it can just be like the reality is we thought we were doing X. Right. And we ended up doing Y. Yeah. Because along the way we collected a lot of information and how do we use that information? So I think one of the temptations to do is to go, oh, well, let's not think about the past. And I'm like, yes and no. Let's not think about the past to litigate it. Right. But let's think about the past to learn from it a hundred percent, you know, like yeah. that. That I can get behind for sure. Hmm. And I don't know what language I would use. I did not use adaptive child language when I was talking to this these two couples this week. Mm-hmm. But um, in part because I'm still sort of sorting it out on my own. But I think that, you know, there's this 
there's this thing that we did with really good intentions to help us pursue this thing that we thought we wanted. Sure. Turns out we got a lot more information and a lot more stress and Uh a lot more, you know, opportunity. And now we have to figure out how to do the new thing. Yeah. That's the work. Yeah. Well, I really like how respectful it is. Like you said, you're you're not, you know, shaming or pathologizing this relationship 1.0. There was purpose, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you were you were focused on your career paths and because you were so focused on your career paths, you grew into roommates and there's not a lot of uh I don't know. There's not a lot of intimacy there or connection. That's fine. That that is it served you. Look at what you've gotten from that, but also recognizing that that's fine. It's just not sustainable. Sure. And not which you you are telling me because you're hiring a therapist or you're telling me because you're listening to a podcast or you're telling me because you wandered around the bookstore and picked up a book that you thought might help you change the thing. Like all of that has to be on the heels of not, like you said, pathologizing the past as much as just appreciating that that is what it is. And now it's time to do the other thing. Can I end this podcast with my story about my couple of, yeah. okay. Cause I think it is so funny and I really hope I can do it justice because I told them I was going to talk about it on the podcast and they obviously gave me permission. So remember this gal, she, her adaptive child is that she learned to never ask for anything from anyone that she was uh-huh. deeply independent because she didn't, couldn't rely on anyone. Now she's in a relationship with a husband that says, I need you to verbalize your needs. And I, because I have said, What's going on with you? Are you hungry, angry, angry, lonely, tired, scared, or horny? Um, So many times he rattles it off too. And he says, look, like if you don't say to me, we're working on gentle startup, how do you express your need to your partner in a really gentle way? And she said, I don't want to express it ever. I just want Hmm. you to meet my need um, or I'll take care of it myself. There is a fear there that she has of expressing her need. And he said, that's fine. Just know that I'm going to guess wrong every single time. And uh, <laughs> if you give me hungry, angry, lonely, tired, angry, or scared, horny to guess, guess which one he's going to assume of her needs needs to be met. Horny. Horny. hundred percent. He was like, if I am, if you are asking for me to guess how to meet your needs, I'm going to offer to hump you every single time. And so that was enough for her to say, Fine. I will put some words to my needs because I don't need you humping me at two o'clock in the afternoon in the kitchen while I'm trying to bake cookies. There you go. It was pretty funny. We got a good giggle out of it and I hope you did too. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Well, let's lay on this plane. I'm going to continue purging my household, uh, packing. I'm going to go for a swim. Holden has his first surgery coming up. So that's, Uh, keep that on your uh, forefront. That actually, the the day this episode comes out, I will be in Oregon. He's going to have some surgery. You live there, by the way, in Oregon. Oh, sorry. OHSU is where we we get it done. And I I think we feel pretty good about it. It's one of the more minor surgeries, but they're they're doing it in order to get uh, pathology and take some tests to figure out what form of uh, medicinal treatment would work best for him. So keep us in your thoughts. Cool. Yeah. Well, my parents are coming tomorrow, so I have a, a, a very pleasant weekend lined up for... There's so you know, much like sarcasm, well. but you had such we a good time with your mom when you were on the East Coast. We do. We all get along, so that'll be fun. Are that's they what staying I'm be in doing. your home? That's always no. the question I have. Nope. No. That's no, great. They had their own magic little place. 
they're going to really, don't you feel great that you're going to be able to drive them around in your, in your nice new car? I do, in my nice clean clean car. You're an adult car. Goodbye, Lala. All right, let's land it. Toodaloo. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. If you have not yet checked out, we are doing the seven principles for making marriage work for you. So for couples to attend a workshop, just like what Zach was talking about, you can join ours. It is on October 20th and 21st from 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on a Friday evening and then 8 to 3 on Saturday. We have all that information on the website, marriagetherapyradio.com. That's the weekend intensive. Look forward to you joining us. Thanks for all of your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.